Imagine this. You're falsely accused, charged and remanded into custody for nearly two years for a crime you didn't commit. Not only that, but there are witnesses saying that you were present when a murder took place and that you participated when you didn't. It is impossible to imagine what it was like for John Acty and the others when they were accused of the murder of Lynette White. As I'm sure you know, three people were convicted of that murder and spent an additional two years in prison before their convictions were overturned. And although John Acty was acquitted, what happened afterwards is absolutely unbelievable because some people think, well, there's no smoke without fire. You've got away with a brutal murder. But the real killer was out there and it took several years before he was eventually apprehended. This is John's story. I wondered if you could just introduce yourself to the podcast listeners. Yes, I'm uh, John Atharakti. Um, I'm one of the Cardiff Five who was wrongly arrested by South Wales Police. Yeah, I wondered if, first of all, you could just tell us what life was like before you were arrested. Life was OK, you know, you had the little bits of problems, you know, as unemployment, you know, sometimes no money in your pocket. But I do some work, I do security and just get on with it. Life was better than it was to when the police come for me, arresting me for a murder I didn't know nothing about. And for people who don't know, I wonder if you could just tell us a little bit about the crime you were arrested for, what happened. Yeah, I was arrested for the murder of a young young girl called Lynette White from the Cardiff area. I was arrested with uh, four other guys, Tony Paris, Stephen Miller, Ronnie Acti, who was my cousin, and Yusuf Abdullahi. And we was all arrested in December of 1988. What happened is uh, we was all arrested and interrogated for four, five, six days. And after them days, they charged every one of us considering they was looking for a white guy. Yeah, let's talk about that, because mm. my understanding is that Lynette White was stabbed tragically over mm. 50 times, yeah. and someone, some witness, mm. saw a white man who had blood on their hands or some sort of injury to their hand yeah. at the scene around the time of her murder. Yeah. And in fact, I've watched a episode of Crime Watch, which at the time, they had an e-photo fit of a white man, mm. and they made it clear that... Um, what had happened was that Lynette's friend had gone round to the flat to see if she was okay. Yeah. And she was concerned. So she contacted the police. Mm. The police entered the flat and obviously realised that she'd been murdered. Yeah. And they made it clear that that man, they believe, was the person... Was the person involved. Was yeah. the person involved. Definitely. And then all of a sudden, after several months, mm. it changed and they obviously arrested you and, and your co-accused. Mm. And let's be blunt about it, none of you are white. Oh, I know. <laughs> you know what I'm and none of you crazy. fit the e-photo. Not at all. Straight away, that's yeah. that's obviously... Red flag started, you know, straight away, you know what I mean? And I knew they'd been arresting one or two guys day before and the day before that. So we knew, and, you know, it was on the news, people had been arrested. Do you know what I mean? But, you know... You're not thinking like, you know, you know, they're going to come and arrest yourself, you know, myself for something you know nothing about, especially a murder. But anyway, long story short, I've seen a couple of my friends, girlfriends, they're crying. That was on a Thursday. I said, what's wrong? She said they've locked up Rashid. I said, what? what for? For the murder? I said, they're looking for the white guy. Do you know what I mean? I had my hand on the shoulder saying, he'll be out tomorrow. That was that was on a Thursday. That was on a Friday. Now, he'll be out tomorrow. And in the morning, they come and arrested me. You know, the morning they come and took me, I told them, 
Get the fuck away from my dog. Yeah, that was the morning they come and took me. What do you want? Oh, you got to come in for the dinner. What? You know, there's four or five of them on my doors. You're looking for a fucking white guy. Oh, no, but John, um, uh, yeah, this is how they was, you know, on my doorstep at seven o'clock in that morning. I went, I ain't fucking come to no fucking police station. They went, oh, but if you don't come, John, we'll have to call back up. I went, fuck off, you know. I said, you know what? Get away from my fucking door. Go and sit in your car. This is what I said to him, yeah? It's a guy that come to arrest for a murder. They all went to their car and sat down in the car and waited for me to come. And they're sitting around the corner, fucking 200 yards away from me. And then I went out. I went upstairs, seen the wife. She said, what? 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 You know, she was shot. My baby's in the fucking cot. I said, oh, he wants to speak to him about You know, I'm shaking. My hands are shaking. He wants to speak to him about the that wife. I said, what? I said, I know. It's my fucking thing. My hands are shaking. Give her a kiss on the cheek. I said, I'll see you in half hour. I never seen her for two fucking years. 23 months, actually. And then went down the police station and then it all started. That's when it all started, you know, and you could hear them all going in the other rooms, yeah! And clapping, yeah, we got it, yeah. He was proven that they were, all the statements was changed. It was all changed, it was all changed. to proved that, yeah, that one copper said he wrote, he ripped up a statement because there was tea stains on it. It was proven there was no tea stains. He'd done tests, there was no tea stains. Uh, a woman called Violet Perinum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was a health worker in the in our local health center, and she said she used to see me going into the health center, but she recognized me outside the flat at two o'clock in the morning. We weren't standing outside the flat; we weren't there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and what it was, she worked in the local yacht club. The police used to go over there and drink over in the yacht club, so that's where the link developed between Mrs. Perriam and the police. She said that she seen me outside the flat. She was with her daughter coming home, but her daughter was sleeping. You know, obviously she didn't want her daughter involved. She was just going to make the lies for the police anyway. I'm in custody and they're telling me about this woman said she seen me. I said, it's impossible. So I knew then I was telling the police, you're fitting me up. I know what you're doing. Yeah. No, John, we wouldn't do that. This is what they're saying, you know. But I know these police. I've had dealings with these police before. On the night mm. of the murder, my yeah. understanding is that, like you said, you weren't obviously at the location. That mm. That's a given because yeah. you didn't commit the offence. No. But you were working. I was working right? in the Casablanca. I know before we had a brief chat and I was asking you, did you know Lynette White? Yeah, yeah, only from seeing her in the area, like, you know what I mean? But not know her to have a conversation with her. And did you know the co-accused, the people that were... Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. I knew um, Stephen Miller from in the area, from when he used to, when he come from London. Tony, I knew from local. He was a local shoplifter. If you wanted clothes, Tony was sorted out for you. I didn't. The only time I see Tony was in the street. What's happening? Not even in the Casablanca. So you knew people to say hello to. Yeah, of course. You and obviously, Ronnie was your cousin. Cousin, yeah. His father and my father were brothers. So, you know, we was cousins. He was a good cousin. But we didn't hang around together. So you, you're in the police station, mm. and I imagine there was an immense amount of pressure being put on you because you said you were there for a few I was days. There for, I think it was Thursday, Friday morning, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and charge on a Sunday evening. It was a nightmare, you know, being in the police station, being accused of a crime you never committed, knowing, yeah, that they are fitting you up. You know they are fitting you up. You know, there is no 
question about it but you're trying to answer these questions as as as, you know as a normal person answer the questions but i didn't want to go for that no reply stuff you know what i mean because i wanted you know no reply no reply no yeah so you wanted to answer the questions to make it clear that you had nothing to do with it okay exactly so you're going through the interview process you're then charged and then you're remanded yeah what was life like when you're remanded for a no, crime that you haven't committed? No, it's terrible. It's absolutely, you know, for the murder as well, a, a horrific murder, you know what I mean? You know, a, a young girl and, you know, the same five of you have stabbed her to death. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. To, you know, you're actually thinking they're going to come and let you up when you're in prison. You can hear the, the keys coming along the landing, you're sitting down. You know they haven't made a mistake. You know they've fitted you up. Do you know what I mean? But you're, you're, you're in shock. Yeah, you're, you're, you're all over the place. You're thinking, they're going to come and you know, they've known it's a mistake. But it's one a mistake they fitted you up. But all different things are going through your mind. So you're thinking, yeah, no. Yeah, they're going to come and let me out. No, it wasn't the beast. And so eventually you have a trial. Mm-hmm. So trial. you're thinking, I imagine at least now, mm-hmm. you get to have your say. But the initial trial after quite a long time, mm. had to be abandoned, didn't it? Because the judge died. The judge died, yeah. Of a heart attack. Yeah. Could you imagine all that? that? We just went through seven months of sitting in the car at the longest murder trial in British history. Just so the listeners know, mm. what was the actual evidence against you that, um, the, that the prosecution had? What um, were they saying that, that proved that you were the person they had committed two the girls, two, two of these girls, Angela Pasada and uh, Liam Vilde, saying they seen me in the, in the flat and they, I made them cut these girls' wrists and also like a ritual. It was, how they put it, it was like one of them witchcraft ritual things you all had to take part. If you didn't take part, then you would die. You know, all that stupidness. You know, it was a story what the police give to the girls, what they told them, what they had to say, what they had to agree with. And the story was just ridiculous. And, and there was also, wasn't there, a confession? Stephen Miller had confessed. Yeah, Stephen had confessed after the police had given him the story and then interrogated him, interrogated him. You know, remember, Stephen was a vulnerable person. He had a vulnerability of a 11-year-old child. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and he had a reading age, didn't he, of an 8-year-old. Oh, yeah. He so was, he, was, yeah. He, he had his difficulties, his complex needs. Oh, and yeah. I know that he was questioned over five days. Oh, he had 19 Nin- interviews. Uh, 19 tapes of it, and he was denying any involvement or being present over 300 times yeah, he did that. Yeah, 360 and times. And then eventually yeah. he cracked yeah. under the oppressive... Um, like you said, interrogation yeah. that he's carried out. Yeah. There was that. And you're, you're then in a position where, like you said, you, you're then waiting again. Yeah. How long after the first trial did the second trial start? Four months, something like that. After the first trial, the judge yeah. died. And then they had to re- reschedule it for the next trial. I think it was about four months. So you have the second trial. Yeah. And obviously the evidence is presented mm. and those witnesses were called. Yeah, because you, what happened is when back in the 80s, as you know, as a solicitor, you used to have old-fashioned committals. Yeah. yeah? And we had an old-fashioned committal. We handcuffed two police coppers, old, every one of us, you know, in the dock. And it's, uh, well, you can imagine the cop was like a, a, it's like a circus. It was crazy. Yeah. Well, anyway, when the girl, I've never seen these girls before. It's the first time I ever seen these girls when they come to the old fashioned committal. And when they come in, I said, tell the fucking truth. 
It's, it's unbelievable, yeah, because what happened is, you know, the CID who was dealing with the case, they was all in the court, see, yeah, in the background. They had the uniform, you know, handcuffing us, controlling the security. We were saying, tell the fucking truth, tell the fucking truth. They had to adjourn the case. They was fighting in the court with the police and my cousins and my brothers. It was unbelievable. Absolutely, you wouldn't have seen. It was carnage. It was absolutely, it was like a circus. So the judge in the first trial let all them evidence in, yeah, all them coppers giving evidence, but the magistrate who was overlooking the, the case, he come and give evidence and said, I was, in, I was the head magistrate. That man never made no cutthroat gestures, yeah? He told, and, and the prosecution at that time said to him, I'll never forget it, he said to him, you're scared of them. He said, scared of them men? He said, I was a prisoner of war in a Japanese, in a Japanese war camp. He said, I'm not scared of them men. I'm telling you, no. Them men never made no cut. So in the second trial, the judge wouldn't let that evidence in. Right. You understand me? Yeah. yeah. He said, I'm not having that. They threw it all out. Do you know right. what I'm saying? He threw all that out. But this is how much they wanted that conviction. They were at their uniform boys to tell the holy for Porky Pies. It's all in open court. Do you know what I'm saying? This is all in open court. They told Porky Pies, the judge wouldn't even let him in in a second. The first judge, all he used to say was, well, there's always grounds for the appeal if you get convicted. That's what he used to say to the balances. And we used to be, oh, my God. So you know them that judges, you know what they do? They, they said there's always grounds for appeal if you did get convicted. But that's not a helpful thing to be saying, because no. from your perspective, you're sat there in the dock. He was convicting us in the first trial. Yeah. Yeah, we was all gone in the first trial. If he would have stayed there, we would have all gone to jail, everyone. Eventually, the mm. trial comes to an end yeah. and the jury foreman stands up, mm. uh, all four person, mm. and mm. announces the verdict. Mm. And you're found not guilty, mm. you and your cousin. Yeah. What did that feel like? Oh, my days, it was unbelievable. Actually, I was, a, I, was, I was the last person to find not guilty, so I had to go through three days of watching. You know, you had Tony on the Tuesday guilty. Stephen Miller, guilty. Ronnie on the Wednesday, not guilty. And on the Thursday, I'm me and Della's waiting. Della went up before me. I'm sitting at the bottom, standing at the bottom of the stairs. Went up, they found him guilty. So I'm thinking, oh my God, you know, they're going to find you guilty. And I like, hear Della saying, you've, you've ruined my life. Then they brought him down. Then he said, John Acty. And I walked up. Actually, a prison officer helped me up. A prison officer called Mr. Maitland, I'll never forget him, he's, all, he, he's a good man. And um, he said, come on, John. Still and then, like, I always tell this story, which is the truth, and this is what happened. I stood there on the, the bars there, and I stood there, and he said, how oh, do you find the defendant, John Arthur, are you guilty or not guilty? And he just said, not guilty. And it just echoed. And it was like a repeat, not guilty, not guilty. And it just repeated, and it was just like an echo. Yeah, that's exactly what it was like. And then um, with that, my brothers just grabbed me. They all ran in the in the in the, the dock. Dragged me out of the dock. The judge didn't even discharge me. There was pandemonium in the court. Uproars. It was screaming. You got to, oh my! It, I've never heard so many screams and excitement all my life. The people jumped out of the galleries. It, it was unbelievable. They dragged me out. Took me outside. I was overawed with, you know, heaven. yeah, yeah, screaming, yeah. I've seen pictures yeah, of you yeah, yeah. when you came out, out and that kind yeah. of, that oh, euphoria and relief. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah. I always um, think I was going through a nervous breakdown many times anyway, actually, you know, coming out like that. The judge didn't discharge me, so he called me back in. Right. So then my brother said, come on, you got to go back. I went, no, no, no. 
And the police come and say, no, it's okay. He just, he was just wants to discharge you, you know what I mean? So he had to formally... So I had to go back, formally discharge yeah. him, yeah. So I went back in and he said, okay, Mr. Ackley, Your Honour, you know, and like, yeah, whatever. And he said, I'm formally discharging, you know, Mr. Ackley, so thank you, Your Honour, thank you. Thank you, members of jury, I love you. I couldn't remember saying that. Yeah, it was just a lovely, lovely then, you know, I was free, you know, but then free was in jail, you know. I went down to see him in the cells. You know, it wasn't nice seeing them guys, you know, having a life sentence for something they never done. It must have been bittersweet in many ways, because yeah. on the one hand, you've been acquitted, but they haven't. Yes. And you know they haven't done it. Yeah. But you've got to then try and move on with your life. Well, I've got to. Because, you, you know, that that's what you need to do. And life. you need to, to look out for yourself and your, your family and so on. But I know that mm. for years... Mm. Yes, you have been acquitted, but mm. there's this concept like we talk about of no smoke without fire yeah, yeah. and the stigma yeah. and the idea that the two things, one, you've got still the police hassling you mm. and, and or giving the impression you're getting away. Yeah, well, they, they, they've got to, haven't they? They want to give the impression that I got away with, with a murder I never committed. They want people to believe that they was right in doing what they'd done. Yeah. So they had to justify me, stressing me out, to make us all like, you know, he, he, he's a murderer anyway, you know, that kind of stuff, you know, this is why we're troubling him. Do you know what I mean? You know, to make the people believe they was right, but all along, they we all know they was wrong. Not just that, you were the victim of various assaults. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, Lynette's father. Yeah. No, I, I can I see def- your head yeah, now, yeah, obviously, yeah. with loads of cuts on it. Mm-hmm. Lynette's father come to my house with a shotgun. I heard knock, knock, knock on the door. John, John, I heard... And at that time, me and the ex-wife had split up. She'd taken off. I was in the house, you know, feeling depressed, obviously, and feeling the whole world's against me. And I tell you, why come to the house? Anyway, got to the, gone in the kitchen, and I've looked out the kitchen window, and you've got a shotgun like that pointed at my front door. That's my front door. So if I would have opened my, my front door was open. It wasn't even locked. Do you know what I'm saying? He's standing there with a shotgun like that. That's exactly who he was. He had a sheepskin coat, you know, the big old sheepskin coats where these people used to wear? A sheepskin coat, and that's all he was. Standing there like that, pointing right at the door. I could see the shotgun like that. I was looking up the window. Anyway, he didn't try the door, and he didn't come in. So I lived to tell another tale, you know. So, And that was it. He got arrested, and nothing happened to him anyway. And then this, the brother come and tried to stab me in the neck. Yeah, but I caught him and threw him on the floor and so forth. But this was all down to the police because the police was being winding him up. Do you know what I mean? Saying he got away with it, he thinks he's this, he thinks. I know that for a fact. Do you know what I mean? I know that. You know so that, and you, so you also not only having that, which is obviously horrific. Mm. Um, but you were struggling with your mental health. Oh, yeah, man. I was struggling with you, uh, every, I was drug abuse. Do you know what I mean? I got into drugs. I was struggling with drug abuse, mental health. Split up with my wife. Split up. My kids are gone. Do you know what I mean? Because you were diagnosed with severe post-traumatic oh, stress Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I've got all that. Yeah, i got that now. I Sometimes, I don't, sometimes I, I don't even go out. I stay in. I don't go out. Do you know what I mean? I go out with my dogs and come in. You know, I don't bother. You know, I was so, so to have that all hanging over you, this idea that yes, you've been acquitted, yeah. but 
people still thinking and being fed the lie that you were responsible yeah, for looking at yeah, strangely, yeah, treating yeah. you differently. Yeah, well, they, people, you know, obviously it gets one or two wants to say it out loud, but, you know, most of the people don't say it because otherwise it's going to be an argument. I'm not going to let someone call me names and just let it walk away. I'm going to no. say something myself, do you know what I mean? Because I'm an innocent man. Do you know what I mean? You don't call me a murderer. I'm not a murderer. Do you know what I mean? It's only while you're listening to the police. You know, some people, they just... You know, when you get people who don't like you anyway, they're going to believe all them stories. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You know, like, if someone don't like you, you know, and you haven't spoken to these people for years or you've had falling outs with them or their family or that family or that friend, you know, they'll want to believe that you've done it. And then eventually the police catch the person who, who did commit the offence. Well, they had no choice, did they? Because, you know, they had to open the investigation again after uh, the DNA was found, the blood was found. They had no choice. Even though they tried to play it down, no, we're not opening the investigation again. Do you know what I mean? If you remember, they only started that back opening and I think it was, I can't remember, 2000 or something like that. They were, they weren't, they were reluctant, you know, they, they didn't want to do it. But they do catch a person. Mm. And, of course, it turns out that that person... Was the guy they were looking for. ...was not only the guy we were looking for, mm. but was white. Actually. And match yeah, yeah, the e photo. When Don't you actually look, look at he it, looks like he looks like him, him mm. very clearly. He was working as a security guard yeah. or something. Yeah, that's right. And they eventually get him. and Through and he... his, his nephew stealing a push bike, DNA, and there was a slight match on the database or something like that. Yeah, anyway, they, they, they found this blood and, uh, you know, it made it righteous again, you know, and just showed exactly how the police, you know, done what they done. You know, there was no way out. Do you know what I mean? There was no way out for these police. These police was, they had them, they, they was caught. Do you know what I mean? Everything slammed dunk and these coppers were caught. But then mm. what actually happens mm. is, okay, so three of the witnesses end up having convictions for perjury. Yeah, yeah. going to get an 18 months. They should have went to jail. And they were, a couple of them were quite vulnerable individuals. They were all vulnerable. Living well, on the edge. Living on the edge and they yeah. were pressurised by the police, i.e. if you don't say something, then they'll be done. You. They served their time. The police, some of the police officers yeah. get charged with conspiracy to pervert the course of justice. Yeah. I don't know what you were thinking at the time, but I, I know there's obviously the Shreds podcast and I got yeah. the impression you were thinking, well, they're bound to get away well, with it. Get off. Yeah, I knew they was going to get off. I used to tell the investigating coppers who was investigating them. I told them when we used to go to our meetings, they used to give us updates. They didn't give us any evidence. They'd give it updates, what would be happening, this, so forth, and so on. Basically, I used to tell them, Tony would be there, solicitor would be there, other solicitors would be there, it'd be superintendents, chief inspectors. They'd be go down to an um, office block that they'd hide out, and it'd be like a monthly, couple of monthly reports of what was happening, you know? So it's just, basically, it was just a load of bullshit. Yeah, all he was doing was trying to make us feel, all right, make us feel like we are doing it and you're part of it. But it was a load of bullshit. Yeah, I used to sit down on the table and I say, they used to say, we've got so much evidence. I say, this is not even going to the jury. And they used to say, oh, well, this is going all the way. I say, it's not going, they'll all walk. Yeah, that's all recorded, everything. Solicitors used to say, okay, John, do you know what I mean? Yes, we got you. And look what happened. I told them from the beginning, look, 
You've got to, you've got so to think. just so people know what happened, they're on trial. Sure. They ask yeah. for disclosure. Yeah, yeah. And that disclosure, they're told, has been destroyed. Yeah, this, yeah destroyed. So they end up having to offer no evidence. Yeah. And that's the end of the trial. That's it. And they're all acquitted. Yeah. All righteous again. All righteous. They come yeah. out, yeah. euphoric, saying, yeah. we've been we cleared. Was, yeah, we was cleared. They was holding evidence back, this, that, and whatever. I was watching them. I was thinking to myself, are you serious? They was, he was blaming the prosecution for... I blame the prosecution because the prosecution... Listen, the prosecution was with the police, even on our trial. Yeah, even on the corruption trial. But tell, tell everyone what happened to that paperwork. The paperwork, the paperwork, what we were all talking about, was found two weeks later, yeah, in the same storeroom where it was stored anyway. So they hadn't destroyed it. No, it was it right there all along. No, it wasn't destroyed. It, it was recovered two weeks later after the judge dismissed the case. So you uh, knew they were going to get away with it, but how did that actually make you feel that they got away with it on a technicality? Well, like and I then said, it turned out that that didn't need to happen. Well, I knew there was skullduggery going on. Do you know what I mean? I, I, the paperwork got shredded. I knew the paperwork didn't get shredded. Do you know what I mean? I knew that before the. They come and said, we found the paperwork. I what do you think? Do you, you really believe that I believe that the paperwork got lost? As soon as they said, I went, exactly. Look, there was too much for South Wales Police to lose on this, yeah? South Wales Police would have had to start it all over again, yeah? You had all these CID coppers. You would have had other people, solicitors, other people they've dealt with over the years. They've locked up. They would have been saying, he fitted me up, I told you before. They would have had to deal with all things like it wasn't going to happen. South Wales police would have been brought to their knees. If any of them coppers would have been convicted and sent to jail, could you imagine the morale in South Wales police? It would have been so bad. It must really, I can see in your mm. face, it must really be very painful. Oh, it's painful. Yeah, of course. They, they, they messed up everyone's lives. They was they weren't just my life, you know. These guys' lives, their families. Tony lost his father when when he was in prison. You know, my mother had cancer when I was in prison. You know, it was all heap of loads of things. You know, my daughter was ten months old. She was in a cop when they come for me. Do you know what I'm saying? It was my first daughter, my first child. You know, so I missed them two years. I yeah, of course I'm angry. I, I'm still angry now. I'll always be angry for the rest of my life. We was arrested because the police wanted to solve a case and they knew it wasn't us and they fitted us up. And really and true, what happened is they really fought. We never had no one. We had family. Our family wasn't going to leave us in jail. It wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't have happened. My mother, there is no way my mother would leave me in jail. My brother, my older brother, he's passed away now. My sister, she's passed away now. For me to stay in jail, for something I haven't done, no way. Yeah, because it's not like you said, it's just you that's affected. It's your family, family everyone. community, yeah, everyone. everyone. If you could, mm -hmm. like, give a bit of advice to someone mm -hmm. in a similar position mm -hmm. where they're up against it because it's obvious that the police are stitching them up, yeah. what would your advice be to someone like that? You know what? The advice I can give is you can't do nothing. There's nothing you can do. They got you. What can you do? They're the system. You can't do nothing. You know, the advice I can give to someone is don't ever get into trouble. Do you know what I'm saying? Because if you are a mad person and they want you, they can take you. But once you get yourself into trouble, uh, you're, you're a sitting duck. You're you, a sitting duck. You, you know that, that then you're on their radar. Oh, especially if you stand up to them and you don't take 
shit off them. Yeah, you know, and they're driving past you and calling you, you know, you black bastards and, and all of that Can stuff. Can I ask you finally yeah. about that? Yeah. I mean, obviously, let's be real about it, mm. that they were looking for a white guy. Mm. They mm. stitched up five black mixed race yeah, guys. Yeah, black and mixed race, yeah. Do you think if you'd been a white guy that it would have been different? Oh. Do you think that they just thought it's easier to stitch up five black guys? Well, they could have gone the Greenstone. It's a white, white you know... Just over the bridge, this you know, it's a white population, a lot of uh, uh, mixed race people over there, Somalis, Indian, but it's more white in Greenstone. Mm-hmm. So all they had to do was go over the bridge, and they could have got five white guys over there. What I'm trying to say is, mm-hmm. putting it bluntly, is that your race played a part in the way did. that they did. Without it, Without the doubts, there's no. Let's be honest about, about it. it. Yes, it is. The, the, I've said this all along that the race played a part in it. All these white coppers were all black mixed race guys. You know what I mean? Like I said, why didn't it go to Grange? And they didn't want to because it was focuses on the docks and the black guys and, and myself. They wanted me before they wanted any of them guys. Yeah, before they even had Stephen Miller and that was his boyfriend. Tony, all of them, they were wanting me. They hated me. Hated me. And so at the end of the day, mm. your life has been destroyed in many ways because of what happened, yeah. that false allegation. Yeah. And deliberate false allegations and you've been charged for something you hadn't done yeah but thankfully you've you know managed to, to get on with your life yeah. in many ways yeah yeah uh, and you got it's a, been a, a struggle big, but you've got the big birthday coming up oh yeah i've got the 60th party coming up you know i'm i'm here you know i've made it well i made it <laughs> and uh you know it's it's nice it's lovely it's great you know what i mean i wish my brother and my mother was here and my sister but, you know, as time goes on, this is life, people pass away. But I wish they was here, but I'm, I'm nearly 60 now. Without shreds, this wouldn't have even been out there. No. Because everyone resisted in coming in and doing anything. And when Kelly come in and done shreds, which is a blessing, now everyone is saying, oh, my God, do you know what I mean? Now you've got documentaries, you've got the, the BBC documentary, you've got... Um, You've got the Channel 5 documentary. You've got another, in, next month, uh, Irish TV. They're doing an half-hour doc, uh, documentary on the forensic. That's in September, October. You've got the drama next year, the six-part drama. You've got the HTV documentary coming out next year. Do you know what I mean? I want them all out there. I want everyone to know exactly what they did. All right, they got away with it. They did get away with it. You know, South Wales Police got away with it. You know, I'm not happy. I'm not, no, I... I will always be angry because when someone takes you out of your, kidnaps you out of your house at seven o'clock in the morning, yeah, puts you in jail, takes you to a, another fucking city down in Swansea just to get a conviction because there was no black people down there. Do you know what I mean? It was all set up. It was all set up to get us to Swansea, get us convicted and fucking like us off. That's why we set up for. That's why they sent it to Swansea. I'm telling you now, I've said that. And when they sent it to Swansea, I said to my cousin Ronnie, we got bigger problems now. But if Kerry Jackson wouldn't have exposed this story, them coppers would have been sitting in their house thinking, we broke the stone for all these years, now it's here for you. Well, I hope not only are they do they listen to, like you said, Shreds, which is a, a wonderful podcast series, yeah. and all the documentaries, but they listen to this as well. I'd like to take the opportunity to thank John for sharing his very personal story about what happened to him when he was wrongly accused, charged and remanded 
awaiting trial for the murder of Lynette White. It is a very traumatic story, but at the end of the day, this sort of thing has happened in the past, and in order to prevent it happening in the future, it's important that people hear what happened to John and others. Now, you thought this was going to be the last episode of this series. I've got a bonus episode that's going to come out later on, probably in the next two weeks, so please look out for it. That bonus episode is an interview that I did remotely with Dr. Sandra Lean. She is a criminologist and has worked and is working on various campaigns. It is a very, very insightful interview. And I hope you join us for that episode. I'd also like to take this opportunity to thank everyone that has been listening to the episode so far. I am going to be making a second series and that second series is going to look into some really, really important issues regarding miscarriage of justice work. And I'm going to look at some cases with a current where people are trying to get their convictions overturned. So thank you very much and please join me in the next couple of weeks for the bonus episode.